We're looking at songs of the Advent season. Advent, if you are not from a church background that um, kind of walks through or celebrates a church worship calendar, Advent is the few weeks, the four weeks before Christmas where we prepare um, for Christmas. We get ready for Christmas, and people can think, well, I thought that's what all the shopping and the decorating and the rushing around and the purchasing of presents was for. I thought that's what cleaning the house was for, for the Christmas party, getting ready for the holidays. Well, getting ready for Christmas, uh, more importantly, is a spiritual activity. In this Advent, kind of walking through some of these Advent hymns, um, and since I'm the preacher today, I get to choose which uh, hymn we're looking at. And so uh, we're looking at one of my favorites of the Father's Love Begotten. Uh, it may not be a hymn that is familiar with you. Got the uh, first verse up there. But it, it's from this old, old poem dating uh, 1,600 years ago, this old poem that was written. And uh, I, I chose this because... It helps us see the magnificence of of Jesus Christ, and and we see this wonderful image. And we just sung the song. Pierre sung the song of this little baby born into the world. Welcome to our world, and yet he, this little baby that was born into the world, is the magnificent King, who has been King over creation for all time. And just getting a sense of that, wow, it's, it's kind of hard to do when we're going about our, our normal routine in life. And so we need to pause and just try to get a, gr- a glimpse of the magnificence of Christ. So it begins, Of the Father's love begotten, ere the world began to be, He is Alpha and Omega. He is the source, the ending He of all things that are, that have been and that future year shall see evermore and evermore. All things, whether things of the past, things of the present, things of the future, find their beginning and their end in Christ. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. We find our beginning in Christ. We find our end in Christ. And therefore, as the hymn proclaims, all people, all nations, all powers, All earthly kings, earthly rulers ultimately will bow down before Christ because we all have our end in Christ and he will be king over all creation forever and ever. And my friends, that is a magnificent image. That's a magnificent image. Um, I think it's it's probably difficult for us to really fully grasp the reality of the magnificence of Christ. Um, and the reason why I think that is is so, I'm probably just looking at my own life more than anything else, but I, I think if we were to really grasp the magnificence of Christ, we would be worried less. We would get angry less if we were to really grasp how magnificent Christ is. I think we would... Uh, get less irritated. I think we would be less afraid. I think we would spend our time differently. I think we would spend our time looking towards the magnificence of Christ because 
We are attracted to whoever we think is magnificent. That's where we're going to spend our time and our attention seeking what we think to be magnificent. So I want to look at one scripture in particular where we see this magnificence of Christ, and it's in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, take it out, turn it open to Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, you might be able to find one in one of the chairs in front of you to the left or to the right. Do that. Uh, You can turn to page 1165 if you are using one of our our pew Bibles. Paul is writing to Christians uh, living in Colossae, and he opens his letter to them by writing about the gospel that has taken up root in their hearts and is, is now shaping, beginning to shape their lives. However, there are some other, other people in this church that are trying to um, present a different gospel than the one that Paul is sharing with them. And so he's writing to them to kind of clarify what is the gospel, and, and, and he just goes off on the gospel. So look at verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1, and I am not there in my own Bible. Verse 13, Paul says, For he has rescued us, talking about the gospel here, the gospel of Jesus, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sin. So the gospel is about the kingdom of Christ, about us being brought into his kingdom. And then Paul does something interesting. See, most scholars think that what comes next in his letter is, is either a poem or a song that either Paul wrote himself or that he is just sharing as a part of his letter that maybe uh, Christians in, in that early church might have been aware, but he just kind of breaks into this poem or this song. So look at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, where the things on earth things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, why does Paul express this poem or this hymn? Why, why does he just kind of break? He's just writing this letter and all of a sudden he just breaks out into a song, perhaps. Well, it's probably because poetry or music or art can convey something more that that plain communication cannot. Imagine you are a a young man and you want to 
woo the young lady that you are in love with, what could you do? Well, you could, I suppose, create a PowerPoint presentation and give some bullet points of why you love her so much and why you would be perfect together. You could do that. You could. You could. Or you could write her a poem. You know, you could do that. You could, you could sing a song to her. That, that may be a better idea, in fact. You know, that, that may be the way to go. See, a poem or a song makes some emotional connection that a PowerPoint presentation cannot make. Now, Paul could have said, let me, let me outline my bullet points about the gospel and who Christ is. Let me just kind of lay them out one by one, this bullet point style for you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He, he, he stirred within his heart. The good news of Jesus and who he is is just too big, too deep, too glorious for Paul at this moment just to kind of, let me go PowerPoint on y'all. And so conspicuously, you might notice that we are missing a PowerPoint presentation in your bulletin. You might wonder, is Pastor Gray going to break out in song? The answer to that would be no. Uh, Here's just some things I've been thinking about. Shouldn't there be something beautiful about our faith in Christ that makes us just want to sing? Or, if might not make us want to sing, but want to hear it sung. We want to, we, want to, we want to participate in that beauty. And we know just kind of reading normal stuff, certainly seeing a PowerPoint presentation on the love of Christ would not do it. We, we want our faith to, to know, to realize deep down inside this beauty that is there. Else it's not much of faith at all. And I think one of the beautiful things about Christ that the world desperately needs to hear today is right there in Colossians chapter 1, that in him, in Christ, all things hold together. Because we live in an age of anxiety. And, and perhaps every age could have said that about itself, kind of an anxious age. But my gosh, today, I think we live in an age of anxiety. You know, with nations fighting to have the power of nuclear weapons so they can at least threaten to flex their muscles with political parties, claiming what a catastrophic disaster it would be of historic proportions if the other party's leader were elected, um, with, regardless of the party, with health care costs, with education costs just kind of climbing, um, soaring to new heights. There is plenty of fear to go around today. It's an age of anxiety, and we need to know that in Christ, all things hold together, that he keeps it together. 
One pastor puts it like this. He keeps the cosmos from becoming a chaos. And one thing that means is that through the grace of Christ, he, he, he holds all things together. I mean, things stay together. We stay together. Molecules stay together because of the grace of Christ. And you could learn about in a physics class, strong and weak nuclear forces and an atom's nucleus that holds things together. Yes, that, that may be true, but, uh, you know, Jesus is the father of physics, and it is through his grace that those natural forces keep things on an atomic level together. But there's, there's another way in which Christ holds all things together. He holds our stories together. Yeah, let's talk about that. How does Christ hold our story together? You know, you can go to a movie, and if the movie is kind of lousy, uh, maybe it, you know, it, it's just hard to sit through because the story doesn't make sense. You might say, that, horror, that story just didn't hold together. You know, it maybe had a, a little plot here, a little plot there, but nothing that was, that was holding that storyline together in a meaningful way. Listen, the only way that we can make sense of our own stories is through the storyline of Jesus Christ and having that at our center. And whenever we start to see our story as independent of Christ, you know, no matter how hard we try to write a good storyline for ourselves, we will fail. We will be disappointed sooner or later. Sooner or later, the storyline that you script for yourself will not meet your expectations. Sooner or later. You will not have done enough. You will not have gained enough. You won't be living where you want to be living. You won't be doing what you want to be doing. Eventually, eventually your storyline will fail in some form or fashion. But if we start seeing Christ's story, his story, and by the way, um, we're going to talk much more about this in January, about about. Christ's story and how that can be a part of your story, how you can make your story about Christ's story. Um, so we're going to go into that more in January. But um, when, we, when we realize my story, it's actually Jesus' story, and he invites me to be a part of it, that's when we find the fulfillment that we are looking for. So Christ, in Christ, all things hold together. How? So in verse 16, Paul says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So it is in Christ, it is through Christ, it is for Christ that all things were created. In other words, every single thing that exists exists for the purpose of being used by Christ or to point to Christ or to glorify Christ. Abraham Kuyper was, um, he was a theologian, a pastor. He was the prime minister of the Netherlands. Um, and he once said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, this is mine. This is mine. Your life is mine. And I want to talk about two ways in particular to 
just kind of apply this truth that in him, all things hold together. In him, through him, for him, all things were created. So one, just mention this, allow Christ to make sense of your story. Allow Christ to make sense of your story. We all script a story for ourselves, and then we try to live it out. And if you don't locate your story in Jesus' story, there, as I mentioned, there will come a time when you will just be disappointed. You will be disappointed in yourself. You know, say the storyline for yourself is, I'm going to be, I'm going to have business success. You will completely internalize any failure that you have in achieving that. And you'll say, oh, yeah, if only I were better at my job, you know. If only I had better skills. If only I were different. If, if only I were different, I might have really made something of myself. Or maybe your storyline is, I'm just going to have a great family. You know, I'm, that's what I'm going to focus on. My kids just doing great, great things. And getting along with one another. And every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, they're going to come home. They're going to bring their kids. We're all going to have this fantastic holiday together. That's the story that I am scripting for me. But, you know, what if it turns out they don't come home for Thanksgiving and Christmas because they fight with one another? (laughs) They don't get along. (laughs) What, you, what, what will you think? You'll think, oh, if only I was a better parent. All that one time when I yelled at my kid. and Gosh, if I hadn't done that. And here's the deal. You might hit it out of the park with your career or with your family or whatever it is with the storyline that you're creating. You might, you might, but you might not. When we seek fulfillment in our own storyline, whether that be career success having fantastic family experiences, uh, having fantastic life experiences, traveling all over the place. When we seek fulfillment in our own storyline, whatever it is, one of two things will happen. Either you'll find great success, you'll feel pretty good about yourself, or, and this is much more common, second thing, you'll, you'll struggle here and there, and you'll wonder, oh, gosh, did I have it all wrong? Am I all wrong? And then regardless of whether thing one or thing two happened, either you hit a grand slam home run or you just hit like a single or a ground out, regardless of which one of those two things happen, after that, one of one thing will happen. Regardless of success or not, at the end of your life, you will notice that your story for yourself has come to a grinding halt. And maybe you will be remembered 30, 40, maybe 50 years or so after you have died, but maybe not. And that will be it. And there is this tragic blow to your identity when you realize, ah, this thing that I pursued... With all of my life, it's going to come to an end. And well under 100 years from now, no one is going to think about it, think about me, think about what I've done in the least bit. 
So that's one alternative, scripting your own storyline. And, and, and listen, I'm not suggesting that the things that we do with our life, our careers, our vocations, the value that we add in the world, that's, I'm not saying that is unimportant at all. I'm just saying if that is the storyline that you are counting for purpose and meaning, it's going to fail you. So that's one alternative. And the other story is to find your story in Christ, that you realize that you exist for him and his purposes. That Christ will put you where he wants you. And then you will be satisfied with helping make known and glorifying the Supreme King wherever you are at, whatever you are doing. And if we find ourselves in Jesus' story, we probably would spend much less time focusing on our failures. You know, we often judge ourselves by our own worst failures. And then we start thinking, well, if I'm judging myself by my worst failures, my business failures, my parenting failures, whatever failures I have, then surely other people must be judging me by my failures. And my gosh, God knows all things. He must be judging me about my, on my failures as well. Yeah. We jump to that conclusion. We just assume God is doing the same. Well, what if God were to say to us, okay, you weren't the businessman, you weren't the businesswoman that you had planned to be? You didn't win those professional awards? Huh. It's okay. What if God were to say that to you? It's, it's okay. Things didn't line up the way you wanted them to? You know, the house that you wanted, it you didn't realize it, or it wasn't quite the ready for the cover of better homes and gardens like you had wanted it to be, that's okay. It's, it's all good. Because my main vision for you is that you help others to know about the magnificence of Christ. If you're doing that, you're doing exactly what I created you to do, God would say to you. The story reminds me or this reminds me of a story of Christopher Wren a bit. Christopher Wren was um, a, a, a noted um, architect in England, and, you know, several hundred years ago. And when there was the, the, the Great London Fire, which destroyed many of the beautiful buildings, he was commissioned to redesign, rebuild, St. Paul's Cathedral. And one popular story goes that one day uh, Christopher Wren was at the cathedral and he was overseeing the, the, the construction process. And he came to this section of the wall. There are three men um, at the wall. One was kind of crouched over. One was standing half erect and the other was, was standing tall and working really hard. And he went over to the first worker, the, the the, the crouched over man, and he asked, what are you doing? And he replied, well, I'm, I'm just making a living. He asked the, the man who was half standing, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm building a wall. And then he asked the man who was hard at work, what are you doing? And he said, I am building a cathedral for the Almighty. And what was the difference? Well, the difference, of course, was the, wasn't the work that they were doing. They were just laying bricks. Kind of, maybe they didn't really like laying bricks. 
What was the difference in attitude? The vision that that one man had. What is he really doing with his life? He's building a cathedral for the Almighty. And if we would only see our life as as existing to make known the glory of Christ and wherever God puts you, whatever God sets before you to do, maybe laying bricks, maybe you don't like laying bricks. What are you doing? What are you doing when you're helping make known the glory, the magnificence of Christ just through humble actions, the words that you say, pointing to Christ? What are you doing? You are creating a mighty cathedral of praise for Christ. So it's allow Christ to make sense of your story. And second thing, allow Christ to make sense of your sufferings. Uh, there's a question that we ask. You know, if Christ does hold all things together, if he is supreme, why are things so far off in the world? I mean, sometimes they seem really far off in the world. Why is that? Why is there great suffering? You know, one way we often try to make sense of our suffering is by reasoning, well, the suffering is there to make us better. That's true. You know, we do get better through suffering. We, you know, it gives us different perspective. Um, It gives us perseverance. Uh, We pursue different things. Helps us see things differently. It can soften our hearts, helps us to be humble. Yes, suffering can make us better. It can make us stronger, make us more mature. But we have to realize if all things are created in and through and for Christ, then my suffering is not just a result of what happens in the world, which then can make me better. It's not the result of a world running loose on its own. I mean, either Jesus is fully Lord or he isn't Lord at all. He's either fully in control or he's not in control at all. Christ is in complete control over my suffering. And it's not ultimately to make me better. Ultimately, it's going to serve Christ. Ultimately, my suffering, my, the difficulties that I go through, they're there for a much bigger person just to make me better. It's to serve Christ. When you are suffering, you can trust that Christ is reigning and that he will accomplish his good purpose through the pain that you are enduring. And when things seem uncertain... Christ will ask, just put your trust in me at this moment and know somehow I will use this to reconcile all things to myself, which is his purpose. So when you're going through suffering, just use that as an opportunity just to lean into Christ, not try to figure it out. Just lean into Christ. Just two nights ago, my my children's homeschool program had their annual Christmas program. And um, a choir sang. There was like 100 students at one time up on the stage. It was at uh, Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Nassau Bay in their chapel. 
in their chapel. They have this magnificent pipe organ in their chapel. And listening to the choir, seeing my three kids up at one time all together in this, this beautiful space. And you know what I thought of or who I thought of? I actually thought of my grandmother, this one little moment. Uh, my grandmother lived for 50 years in Timber Cove in Seabrook. And just the pipe organ kind of reminded me of her and the many church choirs she sang in. She, she had a beautiful voice. And I thought about how much my grandmother would have loved to have been there to see my kids singing in that chapel. I thought about how much my grandmother would have loved to be here listening to me preach. Not because it's a great sermon, but because she's my grandmother and she's just proud of me. When my grandmother died in 2017, just, just over a year before we moved back, in that moment, I'm watching my kids, thinking, oh, this is beautiful. And just this deep sense of, of pain and loss that either she didn't live a little longer, or we didn't make it back a little sooner. I know that's just a s- small example of our suffering, but there's pain. There's pain. And what do you do in that pain? You... You don't, here's my suggestion. You just use that and you lean into Christ. And you say, Jesus, you just tell him what's on your heart. I wish this were different. And you lean into him and you trust him. Because what is happening at that moment, you are giving him your heart. You are trusting in his goodness. You are trusting in the fact that he is reigning supremely. That he orchestrated the storyline in his sovereignty. And he is big enough and he is magnificent enough for you to trust him with that moment, even as painful as it is, and say, Jesus, I know that you're still in charge and you are in charge of this. That you reign sovereign. I'm in your world. And you draw your heart closer and closer to him. That's at least one way that our suffering serves Christ. It doesn't just make me a better person because I'm giving him my glory, the glory and trust in the king that he is. So it may be the understatement of the century to say that Christ is strong enough to get you through whatever that you're going through right now. That's kind of like the understatement of the century. Because not only is he the sustainer of all that there is, he is the author of all that there is. Revelation chapter 5 says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. 
Christ is the one who controls all things sitting on his throne. All things exist for him. Your life exists for him. Your circumstances exist for him. He is the king. And he is that king that was born in the manger so that he could show he is the accessible king. He is the approachable king. He is the king who is not coming to rule as a tyrant. He is not the intimidating king, but he is one who wishes to rule as a servant and that we would approach. He came as a lamb and he came to die for you. He seeks to bless you. It's that king that reigns forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, I know that it is your Holy Spirit that allows our, our hearts and our minds, our, our spiritual eyes to see how glorious you are and how worthy you are of every bit of our being. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And if there's someone who maybe for the first time, is open to hearing from you and your Holy Spirit speaking to their heart. We pray that they would know that they can, they can say yes. They can yet say yes to your Spirit, inviting them to give their life to you this very moment, and you will never leave them and you will never forsake them. Lord, we pray that we would be captured by your beauty and that we would live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.